This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. This podcast was recorded on traditional Denizal land. For the peace. I'm your host, Jenna Moreland, and I'm here with my co-host and producer of the podcast, Trey Lapashinsky. Hey guys, today we chatted with Waylon Fenton, the son of local author Christy Jordan Fenton, who wrote the book Fatty Legs, along with her mother-in-law, Uliman, who is the grandmother of Waylon. Waylon chatted with us briefly about being an Indigenous athlete as a rugby player and a powerlifter, as well as growing up around his mother, who is also an Indigenous advocate, and his grandmother, who was a residential school survivor. Yeah, I actually picked up Waylon from high school (laughs) on his lunch hour to come and do the podcast. And he was like so nice, such a good kid. And he was just so thankful for the opportunity. And I think he was a little nervous and a little quiet. But You, you, you will be able to definitely notice that in the podcast. But he started to open up throughout. I mean, we do want to say he's 16. Yeah. And he's busy and he made time to come on the podcast like we rescheduled four times yeah because he's so busy like we said the powerlifting and the rugby and school like it's not just hobbies for him this kid is he's got a busy schedule yeah he's he's very 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 busy so you're so stoked to have him on yeah and uh you'll be hearing more from him maybe not so much on the podcast but even on energeticcity.ca um with all the things that he is uh, doing as a rugby player and as a power lifter and the, kind of the, the dreams and goals that he has, I think we'll be hearing a lot more. From yeah, him. I think we're going to see a lot of good things yeah, coming. From you can him. just like I just met him today and you can see the potential. Yeah, he's got good energy. Too. Yeah, he yeah. definitely does. Definitely. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, um, you know, kind of switching topics here. Remembrance Day. So mm-hmm. a lot of Remembrance Day ceremonies have live video feeds um on remembrance day throughout the country and i was watching a couple of them on friday and one thing really stuck out to me obviously it's very important that we pay respects and honor the veterans that fought for us yep but that's all veterans and i've seen a couple ceremonies where there's just one specific representative of one religion and then you know, that wasn't as bad. I did see it as like a red flag. Like, hey, why aren't we at least mentioning that, you know, these thousands and thousands of Canadians who fought for the country had different beliefs. But I I let that one go. The one thing that really struck me was there were a couple that did not have land acknowledgements. Which I'm surprised about. Because, and I just want to use this as a platform to mention that the Canadians that fought for us they were all different religions, different cultures. Mm -hmm. There were indigenous veterans that fought for our country. And I just want people to remember that every year. And that's just really all I want to say on the matter. Um, You know, I'm not going to go reach out to a local government in Saskatchewan and say, why didn't she do a land acknowledgement? I mean, by now they should know, but it's just something that really stuck out to me. And I I think you know, I, it's not going to go far from here, but for anyone who listens, just remember, just, you know, let's try and nip this in the butt mm-hmm. <laughs> because we need to remember everyone as a whole. Um, on the weekend, 
me and Trey went to a play. Yes. And it was called Bunk Number Seven. By the Raven Collective. Yes. And uh, it actually was starring Kiefer. I don't remember his last name. I don't either. Uh, but he was on Big Brother Canada. Fourth place. Yeah. I, I watched that season <laughs> and I enjoyed him on the season. I, honestly, like in the first, like the first half of the play, I was like, I know who that is. It's driving me crazy. Who is that? I recognize him and his voice. But anyways, it it was really interesting, and I'm really glad that we got out to oh, yeah, the play, for sure. He was the most... I don't want to like rate it and say he was like the best there, but he's the one who stuck out the most Definitely. to me. He had the most confidence. Yeah, he I had think. the confidence. I think he had skills that transferred from Big Brother, and he was he does stand up and yeah, he's an actor. Yeah, as I think well. he's just a very outgoing yeah. person. But he had yeah. really good comedic timing, and I mean, this is coming from a story that was about residential schools. Like bunk number seven is referring to a specific bunk within a residential school, and kind of what they experienced in the school, each um, student, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, is from a different community. So there's different lingo used there for the different tribes that they are from, the different communities. And it was very, very interesting. And it's just, they kind of wrapped, you know, I'm not really big into plays, mainly because I just haven't, you know, sought it out. I haven't went to go see plays too often. So it was a little different for me. But I did really, really enjoy it, and honestly, I'm thinking about going to another play this weekend. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a it was a good night out. Mm, I liked and it a lot. I, at the end, I definitely got chills and I teared up a bit yeah. towards the end, especially when they had their the capes big, yeah. on at the end. But there was the song at the end of that I that I shazam. So okay, <laughs> I wanted to tell you about this, and I didn't. So right after, I was like. Jenna, what song is that? Yeah. You're like, I'm shazamming it. I said, send it to me. I listened to it as soon as I got in my car. Yeah. That is, um, there. it's a new name, but it was uh, a tribe called Red. That's them, but they changed their name. Oh. Yeah. Because I, I then I started Googling they, it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize they changed their name. It's called Electric Pow Wow Drum, mm-hmm. and it is such a good song. Could, like, could we play it? Are we going to get like if we like play a snippet of it i don't know let's we're just gonna play like a little snippet it's a really good song quality might be a little garbage because it's it's coming from a phone into the mic but here i'll like i was jamming this on the way home here i'll fast forward a bit i feel like this song has has been used a lot because they're pretty popular Okay, let's not get sued. Let's, let's pause that. It's it. I highly suggest that song. Free free advertisement for oh, them. Oh, so <laughs> it's good. It's so good. But they yeah. played that right at the ending of the play, and I don't want to give too much away because Bunk Number Seven's a traveling play. Like yeah. they're not from the north. They traveled up to do a northern tour. I think we were their last stop. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. yeah, yeah. And they've been on the road for a long time. It was phenomenal. It was a very good show. Um, I'll be honest, the first part myself, I was like very confused and I was like listening intently, but they did a good job in the second half yeah. of kind of bringing it back. Yeah. And the second half was just so informative and better. And there was a lot of moments that were big and the ending, powerful. I don't want, I want to talk about the ending cause it was so powerful. Yeah. But all we'll say is the capes, um, each student had an animal and then that song played. It was, it was really sweet. It was yeah. It was awesome. Standing uh, uh, applause across 
the North Peace Cultural Center. It was, I think it was, was wonderful. it was really interesting to see the kind of the camaraderie that happened within the school with these boys that mm. kind of band together, almost kind of became family in a sense. It, it's so funny you bring that up because in the first part, I was like, why does this seem like it's just like a boys hanging out? Like, why does it seem so, so kind of chill? But then as the play went on, it was funny because my thought process started to change where it's like, we hear from the outside, we hear so much about the negativity. And I mean, a lot of it was negative, of For course. Sure. But we didn't know that there was a camaraderie within these bunks yeah. amongst these kids. Yeah. We don't we don't know that other than from the stories that we hear from residential school survivors, elders, you know, knowledge keepers. It's so it's it was very informative for me, mm-hmm. just even from a play. Like I, I do think it was it was very yeah, it was it was very informative. And if anyone has a chance to see it, I'm sure they'll do another tour. You should go see it. I highly suggest. It was very, very good. Yeah. Hopefully Kiefer's still on it. He was Kiefer, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's he was name. he was phenomenal. Like all of them were great. The the three main actors were wonderful, but um I just was drawn to Kiefer's character and just oh, like, I, he, yeah, yeah, he's because so I feel like I would have been him. You know what I mean? So I kind of related a little bit. Like I would be the guy cracking jokes about this very, very shitty situation. But also being protective at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, and, he, and yeah. he was very lovable, but he was also kind of, he had a hard, hard-nosed um, feeling to him. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like a rough exterior, like just how he held himself. But then, you know, just the, all the characters, and even the main character, I actually forgot his name, but essentially he wanted to be a lawyer he was going to school to educate himself. He wanted to graduate. Like, he was the smart one. He was on a wait list to get into yeah. the residential school yeah. so that yeah. he could eventually go and be a lawyer. And that and that actor who played the teacher that came in, too, mm-hmm. he was phenomenal. Those mm-hmm. lines, he was rattling off lines left and right. And it was written by an indigenous man yeah. who, mm-hmm. who died in 2005, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's nice that they're carrying on this story and being able to travel and show it to other people. So it was really good opportunity to go. One thing I I do want to bring up for Fort St. John, um, uh, some people in Fort St. John might know this person I'm about to mention and others who are listening who aren't from Fort St. John will not know who this is, but her name's Erin Griffith. She is um, essentially, she's, I want to say the arts coordinator, inter like coordinator for the city, cult, arts and culture coordinator. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron, if I got your position wrong there, but <laughs> she's been bringing in incredible performances to Fort St. John, and like she helped write this. I'm pretty sure, or she helped with the the um, artistic direction. It was in the oh, sheet. Okay. So Aaron helped bring the play to Fort St. John, and she was just hired, I believe, earlier this year, if not last year. And she's just brought so much to Fort St. John in performances and art and culture. So there's your free shout out, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually going to be posting a, a picture of bunk number seven on our social media. So head to our Instagram, which is at before the peace. And our Twitter is at before the peace underscore. And uh, Kiefer, by the way, if you do happen to be listening to this podcast and all the great things we're saying about you, um, we are the people, well, Jenna specifically is the person that gave you our business card. Mm-hmm. We'd Please love to have you out. on. We want to have you on <laughs> Zoom, whatever you want, dude. 
Well, you want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can email us um, at what is our email? Before the piece at moosefm.ca and before the piece or at energeticcity.ca. Both of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Both. Okay. Yeah. And we would really love for you guys to subscribe to Before the Peace so you get notified when we have notif- or when we have new episodes out. And if you could please rate our show, any reviews are very helpful. And of course, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Troyer Ventures. Troyer has been serving our community and the energy industry with tank and back trucks since 2000. They're built on the principles of hard work, service, and community, and they're proud to offer the financial support to make this program possible. Also, shout out to Epscan Industries, who are known for building excellence safely. We'd also like to say thank you to Click for their support. The Cultural Learning and Innovation Circle is a non-for-profit society that offers mentorship, coaching, and training opportunities. So this summer, you traveled to the U.S. for the first time. How was your experience in L.A. F- for the rugby tournament with the Indigenous Thunder Rugby Club? Uh, well, it was a really great experience, and it was amazing to be able to be surrounded by people just like me that enjoy the sport of rugby and also happen to be Indigenous. So they kind of, we all share similarities. And So it's an indigenous coach, players, everything? It's the entire team? Uh, Yeah, mostly. There is some people who were not indigenous, but um, for the majority of people and coaches, they were all indigenous. And that was your first time traveling to the States? Yeah. And how was it? Uh, It was definitely a lot different. I really enjoyed it in the States, though. Yeah. It was was nice. Was LA, like, sunny and nice when you were there? Good, Mm -hmm. good, good. I feel like every time I've been to LA, it's been sunny and nice, so... (laughs) I should hope so. Uh, so you represented Inuvaluit. Is that how you say it? Can uh, you say it? Yeah. Okay. As an Indigenous athlete in high school. So what did it mean to you to represent like your heritage at such a young age? Uh, well, it was definitely a privilege. And I really, I don't know, it felt really good to be able to represent uh, Inuvaluit people because we don't get... Uh, like that much recognition because we're such a small group of people from the north so it was definitely amazing to be able to represent uh, my family from the north and what was like the camaraderie like with the team was it cool getting to travel with like that many people around your age yeah it was amazing well uh everybody it felt like i could just talk to anybody and like about everything and just i don't know didn't really have to i don't know only took a few days to really get to know everybody Good, good. And what is the rugby community like in Fort St. John? Uh, it's not very, it's not too big, but uh, everybody in the rugby community in Fort St. John are all very close and uh, we all get together and have practices and it's just a very good community. And Okay, so I was talking to Waylon about this before we started recording, but I was asking him about what rugby was really like because I don't really know much about rugby and I'm just curious so it's very physical obviously (laughs) I would almost say like a more intense version of football what like is it hard on your body like or I guess you're so young that you're just able to just like recover so quickly (laughs) uh it's a little bit hard on the body but I think uh you kind of just get used to it and it just makes you a stronger athlete too uh, 
it doesn't it's not so much like broken bones or anything i mean for some people it is but it's more just being sore at the end of the day and having some bruises and uh okay and you wanted to potentially play at like a pretty high level right is that like your goal what is your goal um, i guess with rugby uh yeah i guess the goal would to be to make the nlr or something around there some level around there what does that mean uh, NLR is like the is a rugby league, national rugby league. We're talking about the Thunder Rugby Club. How did that opportunity come about? Like, how did you hear about it? Like, did you have to apply for anything or did they like seek you out? Like, wh- what happened there? Uh, well, it was actually Haley's mom, Crystal Duchak, mm. and she uh, previously met with John, the founder of Thunder Rugby, and she started giving me resources and just information about the tour to LA and then the email to John and I got in talk, uh, got got into contact with John and then I got emailing back and forth with him and that's how the opportunity arose. That's so awesome because the Ducheks, like specifically Crystal, um, like their whole family is all about rugby. What it's like what's yeah. it like being around them like the um her her daughters were there with you as well in LA like how how was that cuz you were saying it's yeah, a smaller well, rugby it, community uh, right it it almost felt like a second family mm-hmm. i had i guess when i was traveling with them it i don't know it felt exactly like if i'd be traveling with my mom or my dad and my entire family it just felt like a extra family i guess and you're commenting on how small the rugby community here is in Fort St. John, but it seems like it's growing. Yeah, yeah? I, I definitely agree. It's definitely grown in the past, and I think it'll keep growing as a sport just as more people begin to, I guess, uh, notice it. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is kind of like a... It's a popular sport, but it's it's one that not a lot of people know about unless it was like in yeah. their high school or something. I think... Right? Uh, I think, I'm not sure when, but it came over from, it started in Europe, I'm pretty sure. So mm-hmm. then it came over and then now it's starting to get recognized a lot more in North America. Yeah, no, I know my high school had a rugby team, but like, it's cool that there's a rugby team here, but there's no football. Like the high school doesn't yeah. have a football team, yeah. but there's rugby here, which is really sweet as like a small community you know, people yeah. can kind of attach themselves to this, you know, niche sport. I, I want to I say that lightly because it is such a super popular sport. You go to like some of these tournaments and it's like arenas yeah. full of people. Yeah, it's crazy. And for anyone listening, I'm just going to say this right now. Jenna and I are sharing a mic. So there you go. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> So, I, I mean, because rugby is so close to football, I, it's... It, I'm curious, like, is that would football be something that you would want to segue into eventually? Uh, yeah, if I had the opportunity, I'd definitely uh, take it to be able to play football. Okay. And in the past, there has been rugby players that have transitioned into football, mainly uh, kickers. Okay. They transitioned to being a kicker for football. What position do you play in rugby? Uh, I normally play winger okay. when I'm playing sevens. So you'd probably be like a receiver if you played football, eh? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You just you just look fast, Waylon. Yeah, like, <laughs> he does look fast. <laughs> All right, Waylon. So you're a fan of powerlifting. What's your PR right now, deadlift? Uh, four seventy five. What? Yeah. That's more than I weigh. Jeez, Louise, Peppa, cheese. That's crazy. Deadlift him. Yeah. 
So, so what got you into powerlifting? Was it like training for rugby or did uh, you get into it first? Well, it was mainly training for sports and then just, you know, being on YouTube searching about lifting and stuff. It kind of brought me the sport of powerlifting. And the big thing about powerlifting I really enjoy is the fact that you could do it at any age and any physical ability really. And it's just always something you could improve on and it transfers over really well to rugby. Yeah, it does. Well, even we were, you were joking about football too. I mean, if you have a 475 deadlift, I mean, most of those football players are like at least 500, which is crazy because you're 17, right? Uh, 16. 16. 475, 16? What do, what do you bench? Uh, 280. Okay, I had you there at 16. Okay, sweet. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, I could not deadlift that at 16. Yeah, I know. But I was I wasn't six nine in, at, at sixteen. I was I was still I was like six three, but it's still. <laughs> so um, with powerlifting, I mean, there's so many different like directions you can still yeah. go, and even with powerlifting, like like you're saying, powerlifting could help you with different sports from rugby yeah. to football. I mean, heck, baseball, like everything, yeah. pretty much. Hell, you can go into professional wrestling just powerlifting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Is just you just wanting to stick to powerlifting, or would you like do strongman competitions or something um, one day? I've I've thought about strongman. I'm mm. not too sure if that's quite my thing. I think different list. I, yeah, yeah, I think I'm not quite tall enough for it too. Yeah, I think I could do it if I really put my mind to it. But I think I'm just gonna stick with powerlifting and rugby. Like that's awesome. my big my big goal for powerlifting is to make IPF worlds. I think that would be pretty cool. And that's IPF worlds. That's what is that again? Uh, international powerlifting federation. Yeah, yeah. So um, this, it seems like with powerlifting and rugby, like these are both things that you can carry on for the rest yeah. of your life. Like my dad, he's in his fifties now, and he stopped pl- playing rugby with the club because his knees were shot at like forty. Like, he, yeah. but he kept playing rugby yeah. and kept lifting. So even if you don't get into like a career in these specific sports, yeah. you're looking to still compete and still kind of do yeah. it for most of your life. It's your hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I definitely like the fact of powerlifting that you could do it for as long as you want, really. And it's always something you can improve on. And it's nice to just see the numbers go up. So how far are you getting into powerlifting? Like, are you looking at YouTube on, like, techniques and... Uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. have a powerlifting coach online, too. So oh, wow. he programs the lifts for me. And yeah. I have a powerlifting meet this weekend, actually, in Prince George. So. That is sweet. Okay, well... Uh, let's get your number after this so we can do a story on it. But um, my other thing, too, is nutrition. Like, it seems you're fully – we talked about you being an indigenous athlete, and we kind of just brought up rugby, but it's so interesting that you're into both. So are you fully into, like, the athlete world? Like, are you looking at your nutrition? Like, are you really are you really strict on those things? Um, fairly strict. I mm-hmm. try and keep it a little bit balanced, too, because I am a teenager, yeah. and, you know, it's – hard it's hard sometimes but i try and get in my protein at least and my calories for the day uh, i'm not sure uh if he if he got his pro card for powerlifting because powerlifting has pro cards through the federation don't they um no it's more your qualifying total oh okay. and then so they have different age divisions and weight divisions mm-hmm. and that would determine your qualifying total to make it to nationals and then your qualifying total or from nationals uh 
I guess they select the best lifter out of your age and weight class, and then they have the opportunity to make it to Worlds. Mm. So even, like, once... So past 18, once you're, like, an adult, is it a pro card, or is it the same thing you're talking uh, about? It's, it's the all same qualifications? thing. There's, okay. there's sub-junior, which is, um, I guess, normally 16 to 18. Mm-hmm. There's sub-junior, if I'm correct. And then junior would be... 18 to, I think, 23. Wow. Wow, that's so awesome, man. I think, I mean, too, you don't hear a lot of 16-year-olds say they're interested in rugby and powerlifting. So yeah. it's it's really cool to, to hear your experience and, like, mm. that you're so interested in it yeah. to the point of getting a coach, working on your nutrition. Yeah. And, yeah, you're 16. If you want to go get McDonald's sometimes, dude, yeah. just don't do it overboard. You'll end up like this. But, like, you know, I used to be very in gym rat, and then yeah. I just stopped doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I definitely eat a lot of burgers sometimes. <laughs> just trying to, trying to fuel myself up before I lift. Well, as long as you're not eating tons of burgers at, like, 25, yeah. then you're good. Because that's when your metabolism <laughs> slowed. Now you're good. Yeah. You're, think, you're athletic I think the enough. most burgers I've had in a day was, like, seven or something like that. Yeah, so, oh, the football team when like in high school, it was disgusting. Yeah, like yeah, we would go work out, but we did not care about nutrition. That's why I asked you because yeah. we were like going to McDonald's every single day after practice. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous, <laughs> and now I look like how I look now. <laughs> Do you find it hard to balance everything being a teenager? Yeah, like you've got a busy hard. schedule. Even us just trying to get you in for this podcast was a little mm-hmm. hard because like you're so busy. I mean, you got tryouts, you got. Yeah competitions on the weekend yeah. do you have a girlfriend no okay well that frees up a little bit of time yeah. but so like how do you balance everything uh i don't know i find it very hard yeah i just try and fit everything in i guess i really liked when i was working over the summer in the patch though because it'd be work and then i'd go home i'd or i'd go and work out and then i'd go home and eat and it was kind of just a very steady, scheduled steady schedule yeah. okay what were you doing in the patch uh, just helping pipe fitters and the okay. Leaders. Okay. And do you think you'll take a career path like that? Uh, eventually, like if maybe, yeah. if, if power, or, well, you can't really make too much money off of powerlifting besides, I guess, if you do some sort of social media yeah. and have sponsors. So I think if rugby and lifting doesn't really work out, then I'll probably maybe look at going into the patch mm. source of income. Would you ever do that, like, with sponsors and have a platform kind of, like, almost influencer kind of style? Yeah, well, I definitely think that I'd like to do that for yeah. a career. That's definitely a big goal, but I will have yeah. to see how it Just works Just keep doing out. what you're yeah. doing. I think what you're doing is it's you're on the right track, that's yeah. for sure. Not a lot of 16-year-olds think about nutrition, so. Well, no, that's what I was going to say is, like, you have discipline, yeah. which is, and I would say you, you got that from your, your mom, yeah. right? Yeah, I would, I would seems like that way, at least, mm-hmm. you know, talking with Christy and getting to know her over the past year. But, yeah, no, that's so cool, man. I, like, I'm yeah. so interested in the powerlifting yeah, because, yeah, like I said, you don't hear a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, usually kids who are people who end up being, um, you know, private trainers and things like that. Yeah. Like they started 
going to the gym in high school, some of them, yeah. but no one ever took it as serious. So I think that's mm-hmm. really cool, man. Yeah, just stick yeah. to what you're doing. And like I said, just don't get carried away on the fast food. Yeah. You end up like. Uh, okay. And so is there any advice that you have for indigenous athletes that are trying to get into a specific level in their sport, or I guess just advice in general? Uh, I'd just like to say, like, um, just remember when you do great things that you're representing your community and your hometown. And uh, it definitely brings a lot of pride to your community and a lot of courage. It's a lot of courage to represent yourself. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And there isn't a lot of indigenous athletes, like professional athletes that are very well known. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think just haven't had the opportunity quite yet. Yeah, I, I just think that it's such a small community of people. Like, there's quite a few indigenous people, but compared to a lot of other people, it's very small. So your mom is Christy Jordan Fenton, who we've had on the podcast before, a well-known author in the region, indigenous advocate, and uh, I would say educator in the region as well. Your late grandmother, Margaret, or Uliman, was a, a residential school survivor. You and your family seem very driven to educate the public on indigenous stories and issues, what did you learn from your upbringing? What was that like? Uh, well, I just learned to um, really embrace uh, my culture and to not be ashamed of it. And growing up, learning from my grandmother, she was stubborn at times and she didn't let stuff get to her like a lot of other people. And just seeing her go through a lot of stuff and be able to still keep going, it just it really gave me the... Um, Chris that I could do it myself that's awesome I mean you know the the past couple years with the um, specifically with the uh, 216 in 2020 um, I feel like more and more people organizations are talking about indigenous issues it's top of mind and before it wasn't talked about as much so for you still being in school probably hearing about it all the time Mm -hmm. at school while growing up, hearing about these issues when a lot of people didn't, when it first started, when it first dropped about the 216, what were your initial thoughts? And like, did you have a conversation with your mom? Like, how did that, how did that go? Or did, or are you the person that some of your friends may look at um, for some, for questions on indigenous issues? I just rattled like four questions at you right there. But uh, <laughs> Well, I... Uh... I think that a lot of people knew about residential schools, but they mm. didn't know how bad it was yeah. until further information was being released and until they actually learned about it. So it's it's definitely good to be able to get like the recognition for stuff like that happen because I don't know when something big like that happens, I think that it needs to be talked about and um, yeah. Do you, does your uh, friends know about like you and your family's history? Like, do you have friends come up to you asking you questions? Sometimes, yeah. I have a few friends that know about it. I try not to bring it up like a crazy amount, mm-hmm. just because I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I just don't want anyone to see me differently because mm-hmm. of it. I just I don't know. I actually noticed that you like lit up a little bit when you were talking about your grandmother. <laughs> like your eyes lit up a little bit. And I'm just curious how you think she might have felt over the last few years now that things are opening up a little bit more, the conversations are happening more. Do you think 
I guess I'm trying to piece together the the right way because it's like the just in the last few years it's changed so much, and I'm just curious. Is I mean, your grandmother from the things that she saw to where things are now, it's so different. Uh yeah. Well, I remember when she was uh, when my mom was first cre- uh, creating the book on my grandmother. My grandmother was a little bit hesitant to mm-hmm. let her write the book because she thought nobody would care and she didn't really think it was a good idea. She didn't really like talking about it too much. But um, I don't know, as she saw stuff opening up more about residential school, she started to really realize people care about it and people want to hear her story. And I think it was just, I don't know, it was really good for her to see that people actually care about her story and want to hear about it yeah and you traveled with them quite a bit right on book tours and stuff Mm -hmm. and how was that oh it was really good I was really close to my grandmother and it'd be nice to uh, it was nice to always care for her and she'd always tell me stories and I really enjoyed it how was it being a kid on the road (laughs) Uh, it was nice yeah it, it was nice to just get away from home sometimes and be able to see a bit of the world. It's so funny because when we were doing the research before speaking to your mom, we watched a YouTube video, like an interview. For, I think it was like ITV or Telus or something. And it was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, you're like six. So it's so weird. I mean, we'll have a picture for the podcast, but Waylon is a grown ass kid right now. Yeah, yeah. You were so small and now you're playing rugby. Yeah. <laughs> What would you suggest if if there was a young Indigenous person or just an Indigenous person in general who wants to speak up but doesn't know how? Do you have any advice for them? I would say to just start small and then work your way up speaking about uh, whatever you have to speak about. Just, um, I think starting off small might build up the courage to be able to talk to a big group of people on something. I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't even know if we necessarily need to put this into the podcast so we can maybe cut this out if we need to, but I'm just curious because my nephew is 16. He's not up here, but I'm just curious just in the school system in general, because indigenous culture is being talked about so much more now, do you find it hard almost like maybe it's too much like how do do other kids feel like that like it's too much like in the schools like talking about it too much or anything like because it's so top of mind i feel like it's yeah people keep bringing it up so often because it's a main issue that we're tackling in canada so you know we've we're far removed from high school so what's it like (laughs) uh well there's a lot of uh there's definitely there's orange shirt day and then they uh talked about it quite a bit when they found the uh bodies mm-hmm. at that residential school but since then there's not too much talk on it actually okay and i don't necessarily think that's mm. a bad thing because if you keep bringing something the same stuff up to people they might uh backlash at it and they don't yeah and that's kind of what I was curious about was like I I, yeah just because my nephew had mentioned that they it was almost so top of mind in their school that it was like 
like again we have to talk about this again kind of thing so i was just curious as to how it was in high school but that's good that it's not like i i want them to talk about it because i think it's necessary it wasn't talked about when i was in high school Mm -hmm. and i i think it needs to be but yeah it's finding that balance yeah finding that balance and uh if you keep bringing it up too then people when you bring up new evidence people won't really take it in as much and they'll just think of it as same old speech about residential school that they get every day and mm-hmm. like just keeping that open slate for when you're ready when they find you information so i was looking at a cbc article that you were actually mentioned in last year um and you mentioned a, a time in school where there was an instance of a teacher locally trying to justify that residential schools were uh, better than what survivors had at home. Knowing the experience that your grandfather, grandmother went through, I, I mean, most people, when they would hear that, would probably be like, oh, that's wrong. But you know of the experience firsthand from your grandmother. What was that like for you to hear that? Uh, well, I thought it was just very a very ignorant comment for her to make, and it was a little bit frustrating, but I, she's obviously entitled to her own opinion, and even though she's wrong, uh, it was, I don't know, it was very frustrating, but I kind of just tried to keep my cool about it, and just tried to, I don't know, educate her a little more on it. And so then did you just get transferred right out of class after that, or... Uh, well, I was having issues with that teacher specifically, mm. so I ended up transferring classes. So you're born and raised Fort St. John, right? Yeah. Okay. And what was it like growing up in Fort St. John and in the community? Because a lot of people who grew up in this town didn't really leave Fort St. John much, but you did. You got to travel so much. Yeah. So was it... Uh, very different going from Fort St. John and then traveling to all these big cities. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lot different. Um, people live a lot differently, I guess in the city, kind of the same, but a little bit different, like people's jobs and everything. It's all a lot different and talking to people like they might not share the same experiences as somebody who lives in Fort St. John. So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit different. Uh, so in your opinion, what can a non-indigenous person or people do to become better allies and be more supportive of reconciliation in indigenous culture? Uh, just be open-minded and be open to listening, uh, survivor stories, and just be respectful of indigenous people's culture. And that's really like all that I at least ask from people. Like you don't really have to um, do anything over the top or nothing. It's just be, be respectful and accepting yeah be accepting and just open-minded and that's all that i ask (laughs) i just wanted to bring this up because we keep you know bringing up the advocacies and and uh, for indigenous issues bringing up you being an indigenous athlete do you see yourself that way do you see yourself as an advocate like like so are you going to be openly um talking about indigenous issues yeah your mom's open about talking about uh, indigenous culture and indigenous issues and advocating. Do, would you consider yourself that way? Or I guess an ally would be a good way to put it too. Oh uh, yeah. I'd consider myself an advocate. Mm-hmm. I try not involve it like uh, me being indigenous and in everything, but I mm-hmm. definitely 
advocate. Yeah, I could, I could just imagine, like, I, I, we should have brought that up at the beginning because yeah. we keep bringing up so much just talking with your mom because she is such a huge advocate mm-hmm. that that's kind of brought those questions to you as well. But definitely, yeah, I just wanted to know of, like, in the future, do you think you might take a path that has you in a, a main role advocating for indigenous culture, indigenous issues? Like, what are you looking at career-wise? Um... Well, Well, uh, I think whatever career path I take, if I can um, educate people on indigenous culture and still, you know, kind of not be like annoying about it, then I definitely would. You just want to have the information to inform people, but you don't want to be like outspoken with it, right? Like you don't want to go on the soapbox and just talk, but you want to be the person that people could come to, right? Yeah. Well, if people have questions, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely like, I think it'd be awesome to like, I love when people have questions about my grandma or anything. It's just, I just try not to, you know, bring it up too much and try and, I don't know. It's so funny. You're right. Every time we mention his grandma, you smile. Right? It's so <laughs> cute. Like, his eyes light up. It's so cute. Uh, so we, are, we, we ask this question to all of our guests. What does reconciliation mean to you? Uh, reconciliation means to me just recognizing the stuff that happened in the past and healing from it. Uh, I think that's the two biggest things with reconciliation. I think as long as you could recognize it and, uh, I guess, heal from it. Make sure you guys subscribe to Before the Peace using your favorite podcast app or at energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. If you have a guest or program idea, email beforethepeace at moosefm.ca or beforethepeace at energeticcity.ca. Yes, we do have two emails. And I do want to let you guys know that the Before the Peace podcast is brought to you by energeticcity.ca, a peace region online newspaper. It's a local company. And we're looking for support. If you want to give it to us, it's it's not a big deal. But, I mean, if you want to keep being informed, it might help us a little bit. Before the – no, not before the piece. Energeticcity.ca backslash contribute to support us. And if you want to get our stories straight to your inbox every single day, energeticcity.ca backslash newsletter. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.